welcome to Yo and Yo's podcast. With a century of experience and perspective, we unpack the latest tax, accounting, technology, financial, and advisory topics relevant to you and your business. Listen in as we analyze challenges, explore potential opportunities, and help you find ways to thrive. This is Everyday Business with Yo and Yo. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Everyday Business. My name is Pete Bender, and I'm the leader of Yo and Yo Wealth Management and a principal in our Saginaw office. Today, we're going to have another podcast in our wealth management series, and our topic is going to be year-end tax planning through a tax intelligent lens. I'm happy to be joined this morning by Matt Cash. Matt is a financial planning consultant with Advantax and also a certified financial planner. Matt, how are you doing this morning? Good, Pete. How are you? I'm doing great. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing the importance of year-end tax planning and tax intelligent concepts to consider. Year-end planning is a just strategic approach to managing your finances in the final months of the tax year to minimize your tax liability. It's all about conducting a careful analysis of your income, your investments, expenses, and potential deductions and credits, and making smart financial decisions before the year is over to optimize your tax situation. It's also crucial to work with your financial professional to review any tax laws, rules, and regulations that might have changed throughout the year. Year-end tax planning allows you to keep more of your money and potentially take advantage of tax incentives and deductions offered by the government. In working with Advantax, one of their focuses, as I mentioned, tax-intelligent investment planning. A tax-intelligent approach to investing means seeking ways to both build wealth and protect it with a carefully honed selection of tax strategies, including various items, which Matt's going to touch on right now. There are many things to consider when doing year-end tax planning, but today we're going to cover Advantax's tax-intelligent planning concepts and some high-level questions to ask yourself when thinking through the plan. So, Matt, let's just uh, touch on a couple things. What are some things you look for with your clients and working with your client's CPA uh, when it comes to this time of year uh, that they should consider? Yeah, thanks for asking. I think year-end is a really important period of time to sort of reevaluate your portfolio, your investments, your tax strategies to make sure that you're set up for a successful 2024. Some of the things that we'll talk about we're doing throughout the year. Um, but year end is a good time to, again, take a look at, at how the year's played out from a performance standpoint, a tax standpoint, and make sure you're uh, set up for a successful 24. So um, one of the things that uh, a Vantax and in partnership with Yo and Yo Wealth Management do throughout the year um, is something called tax loss harvesting. And what that uh, entails is essentially taking advantage of some of the volatility in your portfolio. So I'll use a, a, an example for you. We take two stocks, Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And if you own Coca-Cola and it's underperformed throughout the year, if we sell Coca-Cola and buy Pepsi, you're staying invested, but you're able to book that loss on Coca-Cola against future capital gains and up to a certain amount in ordinary income. Those capital gain losses carry forward indefinitely if you don't use them. So it's a really handy tool to have 
uh, in your back pocket. And those capital gains can include sales from investment real estate, sale of a business, or other capital gains within your portfolio. So um, a lot of advisors look at doing tax loss harvesting at the end of the year, whereas uh, Yo and Yo Wealth Management and Avantax are doing that throughout the year for our clients um, because there's always going to be some investment that potentially underperforms. Of course, we don't want to um, create losses in your account indefinitely, but we do take advantage of the volatility, keep you invested. And I can't tell you the amount of times that we've sat in with clients and said, hey, yeah, the market's been a little bit choppy this year, but we've been able to save you X amount on your taxes. Um, it really makes things a lot easier as far as the performance goes. Just to interrupt for a second, I had a couple of clients the last few years that have sold a business and were receiving payments over several years. So the capital gain that they recognize is being recognized over a number of years. Um, they had cash available. They put it in the market. And obviously, like you said, there's been some volatility. So utilizing this tax loss harvesting at year end or throughout the year has really been effective for them. Um, they're taking advantage of the downturns in the market to pay less tax on that business that they just sold a few years ago. So that that is a great strategy, uh, especially for business owners, but just about anyone. It's not a concept that everyone's familiar with. Uh, we you know talk through it with our clients all the time. Some of them ask, is this legal? <laughs> and uh, we can assure you it is. Um, so that's one strategy. The other thing we like to do um, is use investments that are tax efficient. Um, one of which is an exchange traded fund and ETF. You know, we had a lot of clients in in 21 and uh, 22 who came to us or their CPA and said, hey, why am I paying capital gains uh, this year? My account was down, you know, and this is not this is not at uh, Avantax or Yo and Yo Wealth Management. This is, you know, they're coming from other firms. And really, it's because they're using tax inefficient investments. Um, a lot of mutual funds are sort of at the mercy of what the manager, the portfolio manager, or the investors within the mutual funds are doing. So if there's a lot of turnover or the manager of the fund is selling, uh, those capital gains can be passed on to the client. So unfortunately, 21, 22, a lot of outside clients were coming to us and saying, hey, why did I pay capital gains? My accounts were down. Well, then we kind of explained to them the, the mechanics of mutual funds and let them know that there's a better strategy out there by using exchange traded funds that don't pay capital gains distributions. You're not paying a manager to potentially underperform. Uh, um, and so they're, they're lower cost. So, um, you know, th that's one of the things that uh, we've been able to uh, tell our clients that is a potentially a better way to invest and save you a little on taxes. Um, and we can still do some of that tax loss harvesting with exchange traded funds as well. Um, and I and I know, Matt, a lot, uh, much of those capital gain distributions occur in early December, correct? A lot of mutual funds have to pay those out about that time. Yeah, exactly right. And that's that's kind of going back to what I said. A lot of this, uh, a lot of these things are being done at the year end. Um, managers of mutual funds included, they're rebalancing portfolios, and so a lot of those capital gains get passed on to clients really at the worst time when they can't really do much planning for it. So we want to try to get ahead of that. 
And there's even some strategies where you could potentially sell that mutual fund if it made sense with your financial plan before those distributions are made to avoid paying the tax on that. You've realized the appreciation in those values of the mutual funds during the years, but uh, could sell and, and not have to pay the tax on that. So that's something we've looked at for a few clients as well. You'd have to get on that pretty quick uh, here in the next month, but it is an, an opportunity as well. That's right. A lot of mutual funds publish their anticipated capital gains distributions somewhere around this time. Um, and in November, we had a CPA come to us uh, last year and asked if we could look into a couple of mutual funds that his client held at a different firm. We looked at the funds and said, hey, they're anticipated to pay out 10% in capital gains, even though it was down for the year. Uh, he proactively reached out to his client. Um, the client sold the fund at a long-term gain, uh, paid a lower capital gains rate, and avoided that potential short-term capital gain rate that the mutual fund was going to pay out. So, um, you know, the client was uh, extremely happy with our proactiveness, and uh, we're now working with them as a client. So, um, a lot of things we can do to potentially save clients in taxes, and um, and maybe outperform a little bit for that reason. What about business owners? Is there anything that they could potentially do uh, before year end that might help them down the road? There's been some pieces of legislation that have come down the pike late last year, Secure Act 2.0, and it's really geared towards uh, retirement plans. One in particular is setting up new retirement plans. There's some legislation in various states, and there's a couple states that have made uh, retirement plans for businesses mandatory. And so this legislation is encouraging more businesses to start up a retirement plan for their employees. Um, there's a lot of really good credits out there for new retirement plans. For the most part, uh, a lot of businesses are able to set up a new retirement plan at very minimal cost because of these credits. At some point down the road, we think that most states are going to require businesses have some form of retirement plan. So if business owners can get in front of that and start up a, a plan for the year 24, there's still time to do that. And you'll get all kinds of credits that were not previously available. So if your business has been thinking about setting up a retirement plan, now is really the time to do it. And we can help run some scenarios for you. A lot of times those plans are set to maximize the contributions of the owner. Um, but if there's a time to do it, now's the time. So feel free to reach out and we can run some scenarios for you. Yep, that's a good time to start thinking about it and having a plan in place for January 1 or moving forward. So good, thanks for that, Matt. Absolutely. One thing, um, lastly, before I turn it over to you, I'll touch on is uh, rebalancing your portfolio. Year end is really a good time to do that. And you can do that in conjunction with some of the things we talked about, like um, switching out mutual funds for exchange traded funds, but making sure your portfolio's in balance is really key. We try to do that at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. But I'll give you an example. If you start off with a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio, and stocks have a really good year, now your portfolio might be 65% stock, 35% bond. So if you take that 5% off the stock side, reallocate it to the bond side, tax efficiently, of course, uh, you're keeping the risk of your portfolio down and you're systematically buying low and selling high. 
Um, it's been shown over time that that adds a level of excess return and reduces the risk. So year end's a really good time to uh, tackle that strategy as well. Now I wanna turn it over to you, Pete. Um, there are a few things that you can do from a tax planning standpoint at year end to ensure a successful financial plan. Can you talk about some of those things? Sure. One of the things we talk with a lot of our clients about this time of year are Roth conversions, and we may have discussed it throughout the year, but um, now's a good time to do it because maybe the clients have a better idea of what their income is going to look like for the year. If they're in a business, if they're self-employed, something like that, they'll know better at this point in time what their profit or loss is going to kind of look like for the business. So a Roth conversion is the process of taking money in your your traditional IRA and moving it to a Roth. You pay the tax, you take the money out of the IRA, you pay the tax now on that, and then put it into a Roth IRA. And once it's in the Roth IRA, it grows tax-free. And when you take it out at retirement or when your heirs take it out, if you pass it on to them, um, they never pay tax on it. So the benefit of that is that growth within the Roth never gets taxed. So the, the time to do this is when you're in lower tax brackets, right? So if you have a, a, a if we have a client that maybe his business income is down and he, know, he knows, knows he's going to be in a 10 or 12% tax bracket, we can say, hey, does it make sense to move some of that IRA money into a Roth now and pay tax at a low rate as opposed to waiting down the road when tax rates might be higher, you might be in a, a higher tax bracket. So that's something we look at with a lot of our clients. The other time that works well is maybe someone who's retired a little early, uh, maybe age 60, 62, um, their income drops significantly. They're not drawing Social Security yet. They're not having to draw on their IRAs for required minimum distributions. So again, they're in that low tax bracket. We often have strategies for Let's say over the next five years, we're going to take X amount of dollars, 20000 a year, 50000 whatever they have, and put that into that Roth, pay some tax now to avoid uh, paying the higher tax rates later. So that's something uh, we want our clients to think about now and at the end of the year. Should a client withhold taxes when they do that Roth conversion? It's generally better. That's a great question, Matt. It's generally better if they can pay that out of other funds. Um, out of maybe cash they have in a savings account or something. Um, if they take it out of the IRA, it's it's lessening the benefit of doing that. So for instance, if you're moving $20,000, um, and again, I'm making up numbers, let's say the tax on that is 5,000. If you can if you can move the whole 20,000 20, from the IRA into the Roth, then you have 20,000 in that Roth to grow and never pay tax on again. If you withhold the tax from that, you're only then putting 15 into the Roth and you've kind of lost some of the benefit of doing that. It's it's not the worst case scenario, but we definitely encourage our clients to try and fund that tax side of things from um, other monies if they have those available. Is there anything to consider as far as uh, social security? Should clients delay social security if they're gonna do some Roth conversions? Um, that could could make sense. Um, you know, if they're drawing Social Security, they're probably if they have any other income of any type, they're probably going to pay tax on the majority of that Social Security. So that could bump them up into a higher tax bracket. Um, so that's, yeah, definitely something to consider. And that's where I, we're having a financial plan, working with an advisor like you um, and having that client build the plan. We can build those scenarios for them and show them exactly what things will look like 
if they uh, if they make a move to take Social Security now or wait down the road. There's a lot of factors that go into it, but that's certainly one of them. Is there any legislation um, that is going to change in the future that might make it make sense to do a conversion now rather than in a few years? Um, the, at the end of 2025, the Trump tax cuts are set to expire. And at that time, if, if those happen, tax rates would go up. So that's one date to keep in mind. Um, you, you're depending on what bracket you're in and your income level, you know, your tax rates could go up that year. So that's something to keep in mind. We want to try and do some of these Roth conversions. We may want to do that before 2025, the end of 2025. So we've had, uh, we worked with some business owners that have sold their business and other clients that have received capital gains from other sources, but they're also charitable. Are there things that clients can do to um, minimize the taxes that they pay on those gains? Yeah, there certainly are. And, uh, you know, if if we have clients that are itemizing deductions and the rules on those changed a few years back as well, where uh, you know, less people itemize. But if they're charitably inclined, um, if they have mortgage interest on their house, um, pay property taxes, that type of thing, and they're itemizing, they can certainly give monies to charity before the end of the year. And as long as the gift is made by the end of the year and they're itemizing, that's a write-off and that would lower their income. So one of the things we really look at now, because at, at that point in time, a few years back, they increased the standard deduction, which again, like I said, caused less people to itemize. So we want to be strategic about potentially trying to bunch deductions into one year versus another. Um, if if you're if you're giving to charity and your your charity, your your charitable donations and your other deductions are right around that standard deduction, which is twenty-eight thousand for uh, you know, married filing joint on a certain age, um, right around that amount, you're, you're either getting little to no benefit every year of those deductions. But if we can bunch them and try and have your itemized be 20 or excuse me, 40 or 50,000 in one year, and then lower and take the standard deduction the next year, you're getting more benefit, you're getting more bang for your buck. Um, so one way of doing that, um, of, of bunching them into one year is, is an, a strategy called a donor advised fund. And that's where a client, uh, taxpayer can put a chunk of money into this donor advised fund, get a full tax deduction for the full amount in the year he, he puts it in. And then he can give that money to the various charities over time in subsequent years. He doesn't have to give it all to the charities in the year he's is doing the gift. So let's say they want to put 50,000 in a donor advice fund in one year before the end of the year, they know they're going to itemize that year. They're getting full benefit of that from itemizing. And then in future years, they use that 50,000 to give, let's say 10,000 a year to charity over the next five years, and they don't itemize and they get the full benefit of the, uh, the standard deduction. So that can be a great strategy, you know, depending on how much they want to put away. But again, just utilizing uh, by doing some advanced planning, utilizing the the rules that the IRS gives us to as far as standard deductions go. So if I'm a client, I've got a portfolio of stock, uh, some of it's short term. I'm going to sell my stocks at a capital gain and then donate the cash to this fund. Uh, no, uh, hopefully you don't do that, Matt. Uh, if you're my client, I would tell you not to. So the better benefit, the better option there is to give that stock directly to the charity. 
So if you have appreciated stock and it's worth $10,000, but you only paid $1,000 um, for it way back when, um, if you sold it, you'd have a $9,000 capital gain. You'd have to pay tax on that. And then you'd give the money to the charity. Um, if you give the stock directly to the charity, the $10,000 worth of stock, you get a full deduction if you itemize for that and you don't pay any tap capital gain tax on the, on the stock. Sounds like a win-win. It is, certainly is. There's something similar uh, to doing that, but it's with required minimum distributions. And actually there's a period of time, I believe it's 70 and a half, where you can do something called qualified charitable deductions. Can you explain that a bit? Yeah, that's another great strategy that's become available here in the past 10 years or so. Anyone who's over age 70 and a half, and they can take money out of their IRA and have it sent directly to a charity. By doing that, they avoid paying income tax on that money that they've effectively taken out of their IRA. Um, they can't take the deduction as a charitable deduction, but maybe they're not itemizing anyway because their standard deduction is now higher. So they have that money transferred directly from the IRA to the charity. It avoids all tax, uh, federal taxes, state taxes, and it also keeps their AGI down for other limitations. Um, you know, maybe if they are itemizing it for the medical deduction, um, it keeps their income down for purposes of medical uh, Medicare premiums. If your income gets too high when you're on Medicare, you pay a higher premium. So there's a, a, a bunch of different ways that can help you, but that's a that's an excellent strategy um, that we have clients try and utilize every year once they're age 70 and a half. And then that gets that money out of their IRA when they turn 73. The new rules say now at 73, you have to start taking money out of your IRA. You know, it lowers that amount. Again, lowers the amount of tax you're going to pay on that income that you're trying to transfer to charity and to the next generation anyway. So the idea is you're not paying the income taxes on the distribution. You may not be getting a deduction, but um, you're avoiding paying income taxes and you're also um, donating to a good cause. Yep. Absolutely. Great strategy. Great. Anything else you want to touch on? One thing I, I would say kind of unrelated to the things we're talking broadly, but um, definitely impacts you from a tax planning standpoint at year end is making sure if you have a, a high deductible healthcare plan that you're, you're maxing out your HSA contribution. If you have that availability, mm -hmm. um, that's one of the the best um, investment vehicles that you can contribute to. Um, it's triple tax exempt. It goes in without paying taxes, grows tax-free. And as long as it's for qualified medical, you can take it out tax-free down the road. So um, uh, one of the best tools I think you can use. Yeah, it is a great tool because uh, you, you put the money in now and you can use it later for health healthcare um, expenses or premiums. So it is a great tool. So maximize those if you can before year end. Yeah. And one one uh, thing that it can be used for that not a lot of people know is uh, long-term care premiums. Um, mm -hmm. Long-term care is going to be really, um, really important down the road with healthcare costs and people living longer. So, um, you know, another good reason to use that HSA. Yep. And then one other thing to remember, if you're doing any gifting to family or friends, um, the current exemption amount is, I think, 17000 a year. 
Um, that may be something you want to do before the end of the year. There's no tax deductions for it, but you want to be able to utilize that full exemption amount um, every year. So you need to do that. You can do some in December for the full amount, and then you can turn right around in January and give money to a 529 plan for your grandkids or your kids or you know anybody you know, and, and double up and do it in December and January to transfer wealth to the next generation. Yeah, I think we covered a lot. Lots of great ideas, Matt. You know, the most important thing to remember all this is start planning today. It's late October when we're recording this. And so we got a couple months before the end of the year. So, you know, start planning now and, and be proactive. A proactive strategy that can put more money into your pocket is essential. Don't wait until April to think about your taxes. Start now, review your financial situation with your CPA, whether it's here at Yo and Yo or wherever it might be, and your financial advisor, and consult with them and, and look at those opportunities and take advantage of what you can. I hope everything was helpful that we talked about today. If you have any thoughts or need help with some planning, please feel free to reach out to me or Matt, and we'd be happy to help you. Thanks for listening and have a great day. for tuning in to Yo and Yo's Everyday Business Podcast. Yo and Yo's podcast can be listened to on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and of course, our website. Please subscribe, rate, and review. For more business insights, visit our resource center at yoandyo.com and be sure to subscribe to our newsletters. We'll talk to you next time on Yo and Yo's Everyday Business Podcast. The information provided in this podcast is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the podcast reflect the views of the speakers. This podcast does not constitute tax, accounting, legal, or other business advice or an advisor-client relationship. Before making any decision or taking action, you should consult with a professional regarding your specific circumstances. Investment advisory services are offered through Vantax Planning Partners. Commission-based securities products are offered through Avantax Investment Services, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance services offered through licensed agents of Avantax Planning Partners, 3200 Olympus Boulevard, Suite 100, Dallas, Texas, 75019. The Avantax entities are independent of and unrelated to Yo and Yo Wealth Management. Peter Bender is an Avantax registered representative. Not all financial professionals are licensed to offer all products or services. Financial planning and investment advisory services require separate licenses. Avantax affiliated advisors may only conduct business with residents of states for which they are properly registered. Please note that not all of the investments and services mentioned are available in every state. This material is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment, tax, or other advice or an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any financial instrument. Indices are unmanaged, represent past performance, do not incur fees or expenses, and cannot be invested into directly. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Consult with your financial, tax, or other appropriate advisors on all matters pertaining to financial accounting or tax obligations and requirements.